0: All right, we are rolling. We have Coach Lindy Kelly, the coordinator of strength and conditioning at the University of New England. Um, She was also the captain of her 2010 CCC championship basketball team. That's an important shout out. You got to get that in there. (laughs) Uh, How are you doing?
1: That one. I'm great, Sarah. I had to
0: pull that one out.
1: Wow, memories.
0: What do you remember about that day, Maj?
1: about about
0: about the championship day.
1: Oh man, in 2010. Well, it was, I mean, it's one of those things as a as a young athlete you dream about about doing. And my high school team, you know, love them as much as I did. It was nothing that we were gonna be able to accomplish. And I definitely wanted that experience. So the the actual ability to climb the ladder. And, and cut the net and twirl it. I mean, twirl the twine, baby. That was a
0: yeah.
1: unreal feeling. It was yeah, awesome. that was
0: almost 10 years ago to the day, right? Well, Thanks we, for
1: dating me there. Yeah, no,
0: i <laughs> I mean, like, that's that's an important thing to celebrate. Like, oh you go. You won a championship. That's pretty sick.
1: The fun part about that is that it's it kicked off. I mean, unfortunately, my senior year, we lost by two to Salve. boo But we winning the the ECAC championship, we got to host that at home, which was cool. That no longer exists. But um, obviously, we would have rather taken the trip to the NCAA tournament with the conference bid. But um, after that, I think we we lost one more year, and then we kicked off an insane run of winning the championship. I think it was seven in a row um, after that. So obviously, I I wasn't playing at that time, but I came back in one or two championships in as the strength coach. So I volunteered my time with them. Um, in that time frame and design programming, etc. So we had a good run, that's for sure. We still so when you,
0: when you guys were there, especially that championship year, was was there any type of strength and conditioning coach at UNE at that point?
1: Great question. So we were still housed in the campus center, um, which as you know, is, is kind of more of a general population flair. And it's also open to the general community in some regards. Um, But we had a a gentleman named Pat McCarthy. Um, Pat McCarthy was in charge of running the campus center and fitness center, and he would definitely design us our programming, um, show us how to do it. But his job was so intensive, I actually took over his role in later years um, and found out exactly how busy he was. Uh, So he wasn't there to to necessarily, you know, take us through as a team and and coach us up every single time. It was at least we were were definitely grateful to have the program written for us and, and have something like that. But um, we definitely did not have anything like what we have going on now. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So what was what was really the, the first couple steps then that the, the school took to implementing that? So he was really just – he was just kind of there as, a, as someone to program, educate, and then kind of, you know, shuttle off to the next team almost.
1: Yeah, well, so Pat's job um, really didn't have anything to do with athletics initially. Um, his job was to manage the fitness – Fitness facility. He was the um, the fitness specialist, um, and there used to be I think I don't want to speak, but around five or six fitness specialists total
0: wow.
1: in the campus center at one point. Because they were all running what was called the Bodywise program, and that was again focused on the um, the general community and, and having members come in and utilize the facility. And of course, as the student body grew at UNE, um, it became more and more apparent that we needed to focus on the student population in that regard. Um, so Pat was in charge of that program and a lot of those other pieces and parts, which Heath Pierce was also the original, the OG, um oh, before he stepped into <laughs> the academic side of the house.
0: He would be lo- he'd love to hear that. The OG. Yep. <laughs> the OG.
1: He's the fitness Jedi. So he was he was the original there. Um, and Pat kind of took that over in later years. Pat was also the main state director for, okay. for six years. Um, but uh when the forum was built in 2013, mm-hmm. uh, they added the responsibility of overseeing that space to that role as well, um, but in a very minimal role. Um, and then when Pat stepped down, he's like now at um, Kenny Bunk Elementary um, as their their physical educating education coordinator, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, he's got a little boy; he, he loves doing that with. But um. I uh, got a call from Heath, and I was working at the um, Orthopedic Associates Performance Center in Saco at the time. And he said, hey, uh, you know, Pat's, Pat's leaving. He's moving on. And I was like, you're kidding me. And He was like, get your stuff in. And I was like, all right, here we go. Um, but that was an unreal day. I remember that day. That was awesome. Um, so I immediately got all my materials together and sent them in. Uh, that was mid-August, and I was about eight and a half months pregnant, expecting my, my first son, Jace. Um, so a lot of changes happening. I ended up having my little one the first week of October that year. Yeah. Already come back as an assistant coach for women's basketball. Um, signed on to, to just do that voluntarily. I didn't have a job at the time. I was kind of in between things and waiting to hear from UNE, and I still hadn't. So I called Heath from the hospital had my baby in one arm and I called Heath and I was like, Hey, have you heard anything about that job? Like I, this is like an unreal responsibility that I have never felt before. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you haven't heard from them for an interview. And I was like, no, I haven't. So he said, hold on, let me make a couple of calls. Um, and uh, you know, two, I would say, what was it like a week later? Um, I was in an interview um, process. And within that week we found out that I, I had the job. So um, that was how I took over Pat's role. I don't know if I've ever told you that story.
0: You haven't, you've told me bits and pieces of that story. My, my favorite yep. story though is, I think I, I don't, this might not be uh, well, we'll find out in a second if this is school, school appropriate on you and Ezem, but when <laughs> you, when you uh, yeah, of course. But when you when you first opened up your office in the forum. Chad, Yeah.
1: You, wherever you are Chad.
0: <laughs> i think oh, yeah. that, that's a great story i think most okay. people can hear that i mean if you want
1: so i uh okay so i took over the role in 2000 this was jan uh, november of 2014 um at UNE, and uh, at the time my role was fitness specialist slash coordinator of strength and conditioning um and what that meant was that i would spend the vast majority of my time working in the campus center running the fitness center and all the student kind of opportunities in that regard, but then also had over, oversight of the forum, strength and conditioning facility, mm. um, and working with the teams. But that amount of my time was only like supposed to be less than 10 hours a week out of my, what is 40, but we know it was more like 60 or 70 just with the amount of time that goes into it.
0: And working, working with the teams.
1: Right. Was right. So I only had about, if I, if I was lucky per week, 10 hours of my actual time, like of my 40 at the, the facility, I spent a lot more than that volunteering my time that first year or two. Uh, But I opened the office over in the forum to set up my office over there to make sure I had kind of a home base in both buildings. I I flicked on the lights (laughs) and a young man uh, was sleeping in there. And I said, what's what's happening here? (laughs) And it was apparent that he'd been living in there for quite some time. So, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that is no longer a thing, um, and uh, it was <laughs> was no longer a thing after that day. But um,
0: Just to the preface. Like this is you know a normal size office, but maybe half the size of a a normal dorm room too.
1: It's about it's about eight by eight.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Sometimes I sleep in here. I was like, okay, well, this is my office. So nice to meet yeah, you.
0: Yeah, not anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there were some interesting days as we got started with this program. Um, and within, it was about 18 months total <laughs> um, from starting in November of 2014 through on, um, that we, it was really apparent how ready we were as an athletics department for a head strength coach. And that was something that Heath Pierce knew all along. Um, it was something that, you know, we can just consistently work towards, but just with, we just weren't ready yet to, to make it happen as a university and athletics department. There were a lot of things that we had to figure out first and um, you know we just kept educating and explaining the, the purpose and the reason behind it the head coaches all knew that the administration knew it um, but it took some kind of changes um, that happened at key moments and um, we ended up with um, a new athletic director at the time that was a bit of a surprise um, his name was Jack McDonald Jack came in and uh, he was from Yep. You remember Jack um, and he had former, you know, division one experience, but he knew exactly how important having strength and conditioning was and Heath and I put together a benchmark project that looked at all of the other CCC member institutions and all the other main private institutions. And in that process um, really highlighted how behind we were with we these beautiful facilities. We already had highly competitive teams. Um, but we were really behind in providing them professional, uh, you know, help in terms of strength and conditioning, and uh, that really spoke to our president and administration as a whole and the university. And we were able to create my position in April or May of 2016. So Perfect. we've been running since.
0: I just got butterflies. I've heard that story before, but I still get butterflies. It's a good story. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I actually got um, the, the
1: actual letter of like offer of employment the day of graduation I got home from working graduation and uh, it was a great day
0: that's an awesome day let's go yeah. so what was you know you were you were really stepping into a situation where you had a lot of sport specific coaches that that had been at the school for a while and and even some I know that were still kind of working on a part-time basis so this was you know, now even in D3, the majority of head coaches are full-time. That's their job. So what, what do you feel like was your biggest obstacle with getting sport-specific coaches kind of on board with, with s and
1: Great question. I think everybody was really hungry for it. And, again, I'd already been donating my time for the most part in that regard for the last two years or so for several of the teams. Um, and, you know, we had, it, we had a really good rapport right away, which was awesome. Um, I think it was a bit of a challenge because some coaches out of necessity had been doing whatever they could possibly do to help their teams, which was great. Um, some teams were like completely relieved. Some coaches were like, great, take over. Cause like, I, 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 I have enough going on. Um, so it took a couple of years to get our all eight, well, at the time, 17 teams. No, we didn't even have 17 yet. Cause we didn't have football or rugby, all 15 teams kind of on board, um, and, and clicking along. So, um, I think everybody was was great about it honestly they they were just excited to to have me there full time in that that capacity and and um you know get get to work with it
0: yeah yeah i think that's i think that's huge and i think like you said like the donating of the time they like they they saw immediately how much you wanted to put in and they knew they only knew they were going to get more out of that i think too like <laughs> i mean <laughs> there we um you know, I think, too, like, you have a new person stepping in, and it's just them trusting you with them at any level, really, right? Yeah,
1: for sure. It's going to take time to, to understand every coach's needs, um, each team's needs, and get to know the athletes on a deeper level. Um, you know, the, the head coaches who instantly made it a point for their teams and, and really made it an emphasis um, – there was a quick jump to it. And then then obviously that took took more time for a few others. And um, it really wasn't even so much trust as it was just figuring out, okay, we can mandate this now when we're in season, obviously because division three is a little bit different where we can't mandate out of season, we can only mandate in season, right? Um, But even then encouraging them to utilize the service year round on a voluntary basis. um, I think it just took some time to kind of figure those pieces and parts out. and it, it took time, you know, for me to understand their systems of play right. and exactly what they needed from, you know, from my perspective. Um, and I'm still, I mean, it is still a process every day, but it's a fun one of, of figuring out, you know, what they need metabolically, strength-wise, mobility-wise. I mean, all of those pieces and parts to make each particular head coach's system work.
0: Right. I mean, you come out to our, even our practices all the time we had given you a stick and the helmet, I don't think we would have known the difference. I would have gone
1: out. It would have been fun. <laughs> uh, that
0: would have been great. We would have loved that. That would have been great.
1: But the but case in point, um, you know, some teams were really quick to that, including Coach Birch and men's lacrosse. And, um, I mean, you guys really were one of the first that really le- you latched onto it and said, let's go. Um, and actually, I watched the video of you uh, cleaning.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. That was a good one. Who was that exactly. for? That was for um, coach um, Smitty, right?
1: Yeah, once yeah, exactly. But that yeah, was
0: yeah,
1: yeah. oh good times. Um that was back when the weight room was before we before we renovated it again. Um yeah, but that yeah,
0: like the glow up too. Yep. Yeah. So for
1: the, the teams that invite, had that open invite on the sidelines, that was that was integral for me because um, you know, although I could go watch other teams, you know, all all of our teams in action. Um, those who said, "Hey, come to practice. Come watch this." And there was a lot of time that, I mean, as you remember, Jace was a baby, and I, he was in a backpack or a chest carrier. Or Chris was there, like my my husband. I mean, I literally could not have done any of this without him. And I'm not saying that because he's sitting here beside me, because you know, you hear <laughs> that? Okay, good. Christmas is coming. I'm trying to get on the good list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but really, I mean, his support, the number of hours that both of them were at UNE um, supporting me in those kind of moments um, made it possible. So major thanks to them too. It's a whole family effort for sure.
0: Yeah. I I think going to the practices is as much as you can is, is important. And that's, that is something too, that, I mean, you did all the time and uh, coach Mendoza stresses all the time too. He's like their courts right next door. They're practicing right now or like four of them are shooting around. Let's go shoot around. Um, yeah, exactly.
1: Just any time you can spend with your athletes and and get to know them. I mean, you were, as you, as a former student athlete, I'd be interested to hear your take on that. You know, how, how did you think that was in, was that valuable to you to have your strength staff out there?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, there, there were definitely times when, like, I mean, you've been at practice before and, like, you're just mad at yourself and you don't want to see anyone. But having your <laughs> coach, like, walk onto the field and their little baby is, is either walking next to them or like you're carrying them like you can't not smile like you're like oh you're like shit like i'm supposed to be mad right now but you can't not be so i i think i think it's important i think any i've talked to a couple coaches about this like any time that you get outside of those walls is important because like you only can say so much strength jargon to them before they they shut off you know
1: yeah, you you definitely could show up. I, that that's a huge piece of it. Um, you know, even on my maternity leave with with our next little guy, J, uh, CJ, uh last year, I really technically wasn't I wasn't supposed to work in any capacity, but I don't see that as work. I don't see going to games and events and those sorts of things as as work. That's just me enjoying, you know, and Chris too. We both are alums of UNA. We both enjoy supporting everybody and anybody who's a nor'easter and um, there were definitely times where I kind of got the like, did you, you, you've been here like four times this week for like three or four hours <laughs> each time, like watching games. And um, that was right before COVID hit. Honestly, I, I was only back for a week um, from my maternity leave and then COVID hit and we all went home again. Um, So, but I was like, I missed everybody. I got to go see everybody play. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's important too, because I think what you do really well is a lot of strength coaches think that the weight room is the end all be all like that is the goal like we're gonna get them really strong in this specific way but like you are you are going out and seeing them people play and like you're you're almost like reminding yourself even though you don't probably don't need to that like they're playing a sport and they're lifting to play a sport too and I think that's exactly
1: it's it's um I think I, I definitely started that early on in my career, too, when I was at with the OA Performance Center. and We we would have, you know, athletes come in ages like 6 to 18, and then we had our collegiate athletes with some professional level athletes um, that was, they were a blast to work with. Um, and then we also had our adult population. But, um, you know, when your seven-year-old little client has a flag football game and, and you show up I mean, that just blows their minds and like, it gets them so excited, but how greater, how great a gift is that? Like, not even that you're thinking it's a gift, but just the gift of your time to make them realize that they're that important that you'd show up to watch their game. Um, you know, that was something that I started really, really early on. Um, and then as a collegiate strength coach, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's, it's everything And the weight room should be a vehicle to enhance their experience for their four years. And their main experience, the reason they're there is to get their education obviously as a student first, especially with division three. Um, but we all know how important their sport and their team and their success is. Um, and you only get four years usually to represent, represent UNE and yourself and your program and, and have fun. Um, you, know, you wanna try to mitigate injury as much as you can. I, I spent way too much of my career injured and lost way too much time to that. I know you battled with some yourself, but some things are inevitable and and no matter what and how good your program is, it's just, it's the luck of the draw. Draw sometimes, you know, no pun intended for my uh, specialist here. (laughs) Draw, but.
0: (laughs) Just off, get off. That's that's the life. I love it. Uh,
1: But, uh, but you know (laughs) what I mean? It's, it's just so important to make sure that you're, you're showing up for them and that the weight room, they understand that the weight room is a piece of the puzzle. Right, um, and it's gonna help support them overall and it, the lifelong pieces of. It. Have you seen the Facebook ad, um, the holiday ad of of the, the older man and he's trying to like deadlift the kettlebell and press it. No. Yeah, you. Go, I'll share it with you. It's on my Facebook right now. You sounds, like, Facebook. sounds like sounds
0: their marketing team is is pinpointing you though. I
1: mean, I know, but everybody. But anyway, he's like he he deadlifts the kettlebell and he's doing like you know, he can barely do it. Deadlift the kettlebell and press like kind of a combination movement. And then at the end of it, he finally gets like good at it again, and he's kind of. It's about like self care and taking care of yourself. And he's like, where's this going? He picks up his little granddaughter to put the star on top of the tree. So he picks her up and then like presses her up to put. And it's like all about like taking care of like the things in your life, right? Right in the heart, right in the heart. Chris sent it to me a few minutes ago. I'm so I'm crying. The six year old's like, why are you crying? I'm like, it's beautiful. <laughs> what do we do? It's all about like life, like so even though we have four years to make a huge impact on these athletes. Hope, is that they leave us and they continue to do what they've been doing. And when they're having a tough day, they think back to when they were under the bar and I'm yelling at them and I, in a, a positive way and I'm getting them excited and like celebrating with them as they get the rep. Like, I want them to remember that 10 years, 15 years down the road while they're in the gym by themselves trying to push themselves. Um, so I hope those memories and lessons carry forward into the future, not just for those four years either.
0: Excited for a uh, not, not COVID weight room?
1: Oh, I know. I know. That's an interesting point. It's been, um, I always say that we have a silver lining around our storm cloud for a reason. We're optimistic folks at UNE. Um, but I will say that we've only been able to, we can fit 36 people in our weight room with COVID protocols and square footage. Um, as you know, men's lacrosse usually runs 45 to 50 guys. Um, so we used to, we usually put you guys in and it's a party, all of us together. We, we're organized chaos in the best way and we're getting it done. Um, but we can't do that right now. So we could put smaller teams in, but we've decided to just be really safe and mitigate risk wherever we can. And, and one way of doing that is having 12 people in the weight room at a time, one person at each rack. So okay. each athlete has their own subble or strength bubble. Um, yeah, so I'm like, Hey, where's your subble? They're like, Oh, I'm like, get there, go. Um, so there's movement throughout the facility but it's like pac-man there's specifics like the grocery store with aisles and arrows and um, (laughs) our athletes adapted and overcame and man did they get better holy crap I mean the programming wise I mean we thought we had it in a good place we really tried to you know progress them back in to get them make sure we didn't start off too hot on them and and, you know we didn't want to invite risk of injury in any sort of way where they were out I gone for 274 days or something crazy like that. Um, It's an immense amount of time. So we really started off slow. And then um, by mid-October, we had people hitting PRs that I wasn't even sure we were gonna test, but people were just looking so good and moving so well. And it's really a testament to their consistency. And I mean, we weren't, we had nothing else competing for our time. Everybody was really focused on the weight room and it showed. So hopefully it behooves us well as we move into the spring.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's impressive. So, how did you going back to like you're big on the team challenges, you're big on the camaraderie and the high, you know, people high fiving, people chest bumping, whatever. So, what was your replacement for that, or what would you find that was best in those? Man, that especially with freshmen freshmen, like coming in, like I really don't know the other teammates.
1: That was a really good point. Um, I was really worried about it to be honest, because like you said, that. uh, so much of, we have to be very, very smart and cognizant of physicality, obviously, but high fives and all those things are a huge part of what we do in the weight room. Um And just, you know, the, the constant kind of like being there with each other. And, and it, like you said, being on each other and kind of in each other's space and like oh, yeah. spot, right. It's, it's just a physical kind of aspect of things. Um So I was concerned about how that was going to go, but I'll tell you what we'd have sometimes 12 different athletes from different teams in there together. And you have freshmen again, who are like don't know anybody because they're not even there with their team. Um, and we really spent a lot of extra time focusing on those freshmen. You know, if I was in, if I had upperclassmen in, I'd really kind of hone in on my freshmen and sp- spend a lot of time working with them and have the interns take care of the older ones, especially through September. Um, and then once everybody was really comfortable, I mean, you have, like I said, 12 different athletes in there and they're all cheering each other on. So I've got, I've got a men's lacrosse athlete, cheering on a woman's basketball freshman and I've got a woman's soccer athlete cheering on, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think, men's ice hockey athlete. I mean, it's just like back yeah. and forth and so fun. Um, and we got teams like we have like six women's ice hockey in and six softball and they're like going to battle with each other, you know, like yeah. trying to get better. And, but that was like some one of those unexpected pieces of we've never really mixed the teams. They've always been in with their team. Right. right. Um, and it was really fun to see how much they supported each other because it was like they knew they had to. It was inherent. I didn't even have to ask them to; it was just something that happened from day one, um, and it was a beautiful thing.
0: That that was something that we saw as well. I mean, that was, and it's a pretty incredible thing to see, especially teams that you never thought would get along. I mean, for sure. We had one day where it was, we we could fit about seven, so we yeah. had. I think we had five baseball guys and one fencing athlete and uh, my, the, the fencing athlete was testing his trap bar deadlift. And I had every single one of those baseball guys yelling, like yelling and like yelling at the guy, like, let's go. Like, come on. Like get it. Like, it was amazing. Like seeing, like you said, like seeing, and we've talked about this, especially you talk about this a lot when we were in uh internship, but every team has a personality. Right. and. Mm-hmm every every athlete does too and sometimes you, you don't think like team personalities are going to come together but I think with COVID everyone's like all right Whatever. <laughs> we're all in this weird situation we have no idea how to react I'm not supposed to potentially get along with this other team but you know what like we're all doing the same thing right now I think everyone's just kind of in this like <laughs> level-headed experience of this sucks right now but like it suck together. for everyone.
1: Yeah. I had um, a good example of that. Women's uh, women's rugby. They I mean, they always work hard in the weight room, but, man, did they get better this semester. And probably because they're not all banged up, you know, coming in yeah. <laughs> after a match every Saturday. Um, but they – I mean, we have women squatting – front squatting over 200 um, consistently, which let's go. Um, yeah. We have women chest pressing over 50s you know, so over a hundred pounds with dumbbells. I mean, great. Just little feats of things and doing, you know, doing chin ups for the first time and just things that we've been working at for a long time and trying to help people understand their progression. But you also have, you know, we have cross country in there at the same time. Right. And we've been really working on getting their mentality in the weight room. And they've been so great about getting in there and really focusing on it. And, you know, they're seeing the the rugby women do that. And they're like, oh, I want to do that. Like, I'm I'm going to do that, right? Like, and like, they're going back and forth. And um, I just think there's so much to offer each other from sport to sport, you know? Same thing with, with swimming and football. I mean, just <laughs> like, just fun, like, get to know each other and see what everybody has to offer each other. Um, the family feel, the Nor'easter family was in full effect. Um, it will be this spring as well, for
0: sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that definitely... I think that is the biggest silver lining is just people that would would have never interacted are interacting right. yep. even even at a small school and I, I think that's that's i think that's special honestly i think that's really yeah. special yep
1: yeah, for sure for
0: yeah. sure that's awesome um so today you had you had the n s d a northeast regional mm-hmm. correct um and for anyone that doesn't know coach Kelly is also the state director for that. Correct.
1: I am. I'm the state director for Maine. Um, the NSCA calls it the SPD program, state provincial director. So including Canada and the United States.
0: Oh, you took Canada too.
1: Oh yeah. So um, the Northeast <laughs> region, I don't want to miss, I shouldn't. Um, but the Northeast region also has um, our kind of corner of Canada covered as well. Um, so oh,
0: that. that's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. So today, today you presented kind of more so on basketball programming, correct? Mm
1: -hmm. I did. Uh, Yeah.
0: So and that's something we were talking a little bit about before in terms of just, and that goes back even like with talking about getting new athletes into the weight room, especially during COVID. So how is, how is that something that you tackle, especially with, with a lot of sports, excuse me, sports specific coaches that tend to be nervous to lift their, their basketball athletes?
1: Great question. I'm blessed in that Coach Anthony Ewing, who was my head coach here at UNE, I played for him for four years as well. Um, I can remember being a freshman and him being like, why aren't you people in the weight room? Like why, he was at Brandeis, fun fact. Um, He was the associate head coach at Brandeis for a few years. Um, And they did extremely well during that time and still do, I believe, right? Um, but, uh, he was like, why aren't people in the weight room? This makes like go in the weight room, go. <laughs> so we all had, um, we had lifting buddies at the time. Like we all had one person we were responsible for cause we didn't have team lifts. Right. And, uh, my lifting buddy, my young lifting buddy is now a strength coach as well. So that's fun.
0: Let's go. Um, that's sick.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, so I think I, I'm really lucky in the fact that Anthony understands the importance and really, really hammers that home. Um, he and I have such a great rapport when it comes to, to what I want to do with them, because he knows that I've lived his system for four years. I've then coached in it for four years as a volunteer assistant coach. Um, so I, I, I know every set, every call, um, probably not now. He'll probably put me to the test if he hears this, but um, you know, like, he I, 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 yeah, I really understand his philosophy. So yeah. I know how to coach the athletes in the weight room to get the results that he wants on the court. Um, and we're so good about communicating all those pieces out. So what's interesting to your point is that a lot of basketball student athletes come in with a training age of goose egg or zero, you know, they just, they've never, you know, if somebody's um, been lifting, let's say they're 18 and they've been lifting for five years and they're five yeah. to me. Right. Um, but most of them come in at zero or if I'm lucky one or two, um, you know, and if, if they're at one, usually it's, they've gone to Planet Fitness with a friend or their dad or, or, or mom. I don't want to be either way. Um, you know, but they, they just don't necessarily have that experience behind them. Uh, I think the world is trending that direction, which is exciting that we're starting to get high school athletes more, um, you know, formal training before they get to college. Um, but that said, it's just not something that we see a ton of still. So, as freshmen, it's really important for me with my, my, my female basketball athletes and my male basketball athletes to make sure that I get an understanding of who they are, you know, as an athlete and as a person right off the bat and try to connect with them in that regard. Um, and it uh, usually starts for me with some sort of movement screening um, so I can really understand what their patterns are like. I ask them their injury history. And usually it's a lot more in depth than what they give athletic training. You know, they'll usually be like, you know, I sprained my ankle whatever, but then they'll be like, oh, well, actually I had surgery on it, this and that, like you start digging deeper, you know, you're like, oh, Um, or I've got one um, woman's basketball athlete who's a sophomore now, um, but she's had numerous knee surgeries and um, similar cartilage replacement surgeries that I've had, um, ACLs, etc. So, I mean, sometimes they come to you and they've already been through the ringer Um, and, you know, they can really help us on the court, but they're just, they're behind physically where they need to be because of what they've already been through. Um, So you kind of have to play catch up and accelerate them as safely as possible, but get them the basic movement patterns back first. Right. Um, So I think that's a huge trust factor with Anthony and I, is he knows that I'm going to take excellent care of them initially um, and always, but really, especially their freshman year, I'm going to lay that foundation of movement patterns for them so that we can do great things as we move forward.
0: What do you typically see with them that, you feel like is off when they, when they come in? What's, what's some big ones that, that people can yeah, um, look out know, for? Cause I know you, you kind of have your own nuanced screening system for them.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing it's obvious that i look at is, is their valgus knee movement. Um, you know, most young females, it's just kind of a thing that they do. And even if they don't do it when they're in the weight room, often when they go to shoot, you just take them onto the court. And you, I do a lot of, biomechanical analysis of their natural movement patterns on the court. So I'm not even talking about just like structured in the weight room. What do you look like when you squat? I go watch them play. And I think that's where my, my background as a coach is helpful too. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they go to shoot, if they're knock kneed, which most of them will, um, I mean that telltale right there Um, and basketball is not as overly dominant to one side or the other, like your rotational power sports might be, but it is an overhead sport, you know, they're shooting. Um, So there are shoulder inherently, you know, there's other issues like that that we have to look at. Um, If they're left or right hand dominant, they're going to be usually very right or left hand dominant unless they're special. And they've really developed it, which most of our kids thankfully have, but we still have to work on those, you know, pieces and parts. Um, So they're usually unbalanced um, in some ways, and they don't really know how to own their own physicality yet. Um, so it's, it's usually teaching them how to stack themselves up, which you probably remember from your internship. Um, but I usually start by teaching kids how to stand. You just have them stand in front of a plumb line. So you put them in front, you put, hang a plumb line, right? Like you would, if you were fishing, so it's got a weight on the bottom of it. True gravity, true straight up and down. Right. And you have them stand sideways. So the line is to their left or their right. And you have them just, okay, stand right here, line them up so that they're, they're um lateral malleolus is in line with the the string okay and you see what happens with them and they think they're standing straight up and down but what you see is like the leaning tower of pisa they're (laughs) almost always anteriorly way dominant on everything so they're either mostly standing on the ball or the midfoot like front to midfoot Mm -hmm. Um, and conversely they usually have their knees slammed backwards to control the pelvis that's anteriorly tilted and then, you know, they're jacked up in their lower back and their hamstrings and they're, you know, either kyphotic or in that big arch. Um, and they almost always have head forward, head posture because they're doing this all the time, texting. texting. Um, so, yeah, tech neck big time. Um, and the basketball too, everything happens out here, Sam, right? Everything happens out in front of you or overhead. So their backs, their ba- whole backside, their whole posterior chain is is usually an issue, um, and so that's where I start with them. But I have them do it by starting by standing straight up and down first, and then I fix them little by little. Okay, get your weight in your heels, soften your knees. What do you mean soften my knees? I'm like, don't slam your knees backwards. Like don't lock them. What? I lock my knees, but they just they don't even know that they do it right. right. Um, you get them to soften their knees. You get them to tuck their their tail their tailbone and level their pelvis like it's a bucket of water. So you don't want water spilling out in any direction. Um, you get them to zip their ribs, tuck their ribs in. Most of them live in a rib flare as well. Um, that kind of extension pattern and then get the shoulders looped on and back and bring the head back where it's supposed to be. And you centrate them over their pelvis. It's like kind of the keystone to that arch, right? That pelvis is a keystone. So once you get the pelvis centrated, everything kind of figures it out. Um, but they're usually jacked up in the, the hip flexors and, and weak in the back. Um, and then you get them standing straight up and they're like i'm going to fall over coach like i i'm i to fall over i'm not <laughs> they're like no 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 you look great right now you are you are perfectly straight up and down and they're like no i'm not i'm like you are though so but teaching them how to learn to live there is going to help them develop their posterior chain because we're going to now okay now that we understand neutral now let's hip hinge
0: right
1: now let's squat and sit sit drop in that hole instead of hip hinge first and then drop into a squat um most kids when they play defense, basketball spe- specifically, they tend to bend at the hips, like they bend over in half to play right. defense and then sit. Um, so both components there um, are important. That's a long-winded answer. That's but
0: that's screen number one for you. Just it just is drawing just that line. Up. Yeah, yep, draw up yeah, and line. giving them that's you know giving them some feedback for that too.
1: For sure, for sure, get that started, and I mean you can see that on the court too. Most kids, like when they're walking, you can tell which kids are on the balls of their feet all the time um, and just have no idea how to use their posterior chain.
0: Oh yeah. I talked about in the last podcast. I mean, I, I came in, you probably saw I was waddling. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I was, I was walking like I had to, had to shit all the time, but uh, <laughs> no, I think that's important. So for, first you do the line. What, what's what's usually screen number two with them.
1: Um, at this point, so after I I get them kind of look at their, their whole alignment. I mean, that's kind of
0: like a big, that's like a big screen in one, right? Like you're looking at it's macro,
1: you're kind of looking at lots of systems together. And a lot of times you get them fixed, you get them in that position and you say relax and they're like, Oh, and they like collapse right back into it. Right. Um, so then you, but at least you you've taught them that they start to start thinking about how they move differently. And I'm like, do it. And like, when you're waiting for lunch, assess yourself are you doing it you're shifting into one hip or the other are you sit and they like they're like coach all day long I walked around campus and I kept trying to fix myself and I'm like great and then pe- people were looking at me I'm like even better it's great um but number two I, st- I usually run them through the FMS or some variation of it um it was the first movement screen that I learned I'm FMS one and two certified um I know there's been a lot that's changed over the years and other kind of people bringing up little parts and pieces of it and Um, but I do think that it's really comprehensive and there's a lot to be learned from it and gleaned from it. So um, I definitely will look at overhead squat, um, you know, with the arms in a Y overhead with a dowel. Um, Usually, I I mean, I like to see what they do naturally with their feet flat on the floor, Um, but I can almost always bet that if I throw that, you know, heel lift underneath, they're going to clean up a lot. Um, I do heel lift squat or heel elevate squat. My athletes, especially my my court sport athletes quite a bit just because they have such symptomatic knees because they're so posterior, you know, sorry, anterior chain dominant
0: yeah. um,
1: and those knees have taken a beating over the years from all that sheer pressure and sheer force. So anytime I can get them away from those knees <laughs> um, and kind of turn on some different things, I will, but I learned that a lot from the, the inline lunge looks at their, their ankle mobility right off the bat and the FMS special ankle mobility test. Um, and looking at range of motion. Uh, I'll run those two. Um, and from those three, it tells me a ton. I usually like to also use the, the active straight leg raise um, to see where they're, what they're at with that. But I can tell that based on their plumb line when they stand up straight up and down. If they're, if they're able to centrate, their active straight leg raise is probably going to be pretty good because they can get that dead bug position and activate that core the way they need to. But if they can't get that, then you know that's not going to look great either. But that's what I've learned kind of – it's not always true, but um, over the years I've kind of started to see some patterns arise.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think that's important too because the FMS has gotten a lot of flack very recently. I kind of talked about it a little bit in the first one. I mean, like you said, it's, it's what you make of it at this point right. too. I mean, there are so many resources available, and we – hopefully have kept evolving as as a field but the reality is like like you said your first assessment whether you even thought it was it was watching them play right, right. it's that's right. that's really number one um that's kind of block zero right just watching them watching them how they move i mean and some kids exactly. some kids honestly like they move really well in the field and court and they move like trash in the weight room
1: and they're messed up in the weight room. And then it's vice versa. Some kids look like, why did we recruit that kid? And then you get them in the weight room and they're like a beast. Right. Um, and it's that's, but that's right there, Sam. That's the magic of being a college strength coach. It's bridging that gap. It's figuring out how you're going to take that kid to the next level. If they're already very talented on the court, the field, the ice, whatever they do. All right. How do I make that better? Where do the inefficiencies, where can I like polish this kid up? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have the ones that have the training age of zero and just have no idea what they're doing or how they even move, but they just, if they figure it out, once the, the stick or the ball is in their hands, um, but then you start teaching, giving them some athletic tools to carry around in their toolbox or their bucket, right? Um, and all of a sudden they start making big improvements and it's, and it's really fun. So you kind of have people on both ends of it and then how do you bridge it and, and get there is the fun part, but movement screening is a big part of that for me
0: right and that like that goes back to what we talked about like you you going to practices i mean there there were probably so many things that you would not have noticed had you not spent the extra time to watch them play the sport that they're there for right mm-hmm. and i like that's i mean that's everything It all it all comes back to that you know they're they're going to be happy to see you there you're going to be happy yeah. that there are things that you noticed
1: and then to that point i mean one good example of that um you know i had a it was a woman's lacrosse athlete, you know, watching her sprint, you know, coach was like, Hey, I feel like she's super heavy footed. And you know, she's, she's explosive and she is fastish, but like, she just peters out so fast. Like, can you come look at her? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm watching her run. And you know, again, she's a great ten. Like if you were to measure her 10, she's, she's a sub one, a one seven maybe on a 10, which is you know, that's pretty respectable. Um, By the time she hits 20 though, and she starts to transition that speed into top speed, you see that kind of like, something's going wrong mechanically. I love the biomechanics of sprinting and speed. That's kind of where I learned, what I learned first before I even learned how to program strength. So that's why I think I kind of always go to that. Um, We know if we lay strength on good mechanics, we're gonna get faster and more explosive, right? But sometimes we've got to fix the mechanics first before we can layer on, you know, more strength on top of dysfunction, which again is an FMS kind of thought process, I guess. but again, that was my roots as a strength coach. So sometimes I kind of I go back to that. But um, I asked the kid a simple question. I was like, all right, where, where do you feel, you know, if you were to start, do you feel more confident beating someone off the line, or do you feel that you could like explode past someone in the open field? And she was like, Oh, I could beat them off the line every time, but I I can't get by people in a field. Like I can't, I just don't have it. So then we started working on that component of things. So we know her start's fine, but now we start really focusing on what she needs to focus on in terms of her speed work. Um, And I'm like, all right, so every time that you're about 10, I'm sorry, 15 to 20 yards into a sprint, that's when I want you to like turn on the jets. That's when I want you to really think about what you're doing and how you're moving. And it made a huge difference for her. But that's something I wouldn't really have been able to pick up on if I wasn't in, you know, if I was inside the weight room,
0: for sure. So do you you think that was kind of a mental block or... Both. Yeah.
1: Both. She had some mechanic things that we needed to fix up a little bit. Um, Definitely one of my stronger athletes in the weight room, um, but she wasn't being very efficient with her movement patterns. Um, You know, most, more specifically her. So when she went to, to, to step, she wasn't getting great knee drive and she wasn't getting her toes pulled up. So she exposed the ball of her foot and then get her foot in the optimal position with her hip. So she could get great hip extension on each sprint step um so once we kind of fixed some of that and then got rid of some of the rotational kind of stuff she had going on um which generally a is awareness but b is also just strengthened in, in certain ways um it helped her a lot but you know that was her committing to it too but it took us kind of figuring those pieces out together
0: right and wa- like watching it like you said just actually yeah. being, being there for it too um sure. so how do you i mean let that just brings up a couple a couple, of like, other things, too, is, like, what I feel like is tough for a lot of coaches is, like, they want to make sure they get the weight room stuff in. But how do you – how do you sprinkle in the speed work? And I feel, I feel like that is – that can sometimes be, like, the uh, the loose end.
1: It, it can be, for sure, especially Division three, because as you're experiencing, too, and you have as an intern for us, too um, – like with what time? Like where do you you know? So we we you have an hour with this team. Like obviously you're gonna put them in the weight room, right? So the way that we do that is we have um, we have our warm up, and our warm up is it basically follows the ramp protocol from Ian Jeffries. So we get our heart rate up. We're gonna mobilize, um, activate, mobilize, and then potentiate, and then get going. Um, so usually our warm up is no longer than seven to eight minutes. We're very you know kind of synced with how we do that. Um, we always finish it with some sort of snap down plyometric kind of movement pattern to really reinforce landing mechanics and good Olympic movements and explosiveness on our squats and deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of a little bit of component with it there. But then we have an athlete development block, um, you know, before we even get into our actual lift. And the athlete devo block is something that um, one day I was trying to figure out, like, I feel like I need to bridge that gap. Exactly. You just mentioned Of we're not yeah. getting any speed work in.
0: It's not, it's not an easy thing to, well, especially division three. Yeah. It's you think to program in when you might only be seeing them twice a week.
1: Exactly. You, so
0: you, you like, you want them to move well. And a lot right. of that happens under weight.
1: Right. So it's like, how do you, where you build it in? So that for us, that became the athletic development block. So, um, sometimes it's positionally specific. So it, like I'll use men's lacrosse since you're right here with me. Um, you know, I've, I've done, you know, Hey D you're going to do this speed variation. Attack, you're going to do this. is you're going to do this. Um, you know, uh, long sticks, you're going to do this. Goalies, you're going to do this. Whatever it is. Um, goalies,
0: to stand still.
1: Goalies. <laughs> oh, man, we had some fun with them last year. We got to move. But we, that's where I'll build in some speed work, especially in season. Off season, it might be, um, you know, we might be doing some med ball rotational power work. I mean, there's a bunch of other things we'll do. But um, I will definitely build in and program through different facets of speed. So if they're with me twice a week, one day for the athlete Devo block is going to be focused on linear Mm -hmm. stuff. Day two is going to be working on lateral. Um, If I'm lucky enough to have a day three, then maybe I make it a combination speed day where we're combining linear and lateral movements. Um, But depending on our athletes patterns too, there's different variations of that. And that's as a younger strength coach a few years ago, um, like your freshman, sophomore year where I really wasn't, great at sprinkling in different things because I was just trying to get us in and out. Um, I now have a little bit more help, which helps get a lot more done. Um, but I also am a lot more confident in the way that I go about things. Um, so it's no big deal for me to switch things on the fly and, and do things like that. But, um, but that's how we sprinkle it in a lot. It happens in that, that athlete Devo block or even block A. You know, that's kind of like our power block. So, um, you know, it's not always about the Olympics and, and plyos and stuff like that. Sometimes it's this year, this semester we spent a lot of time working on 10 like different starts, various starts um, and different speed mechanics. Um, So sometimes you mentioned the team challenges, I'll throw it in there too, but neurologically, usually, like you said, we're already a little bit tired. um, So we're not getting the max benefit out of it. So I like to throw it in the beginning.
0: Right. So where do you kind of draw that line though, where you're like, all right, you know, I need, I really need to get X, Y, and Z done today. You know, do, mm-hmm. you, do you feel like, do you feel like speed is sometimes the first thing to go or do you feel like, do you feel like it should be emphasized more? What's, I don't think there's any right answer to this. It's so team dependent and athlete dependent. So where do you, what's your philosophy on that?
1: I'm glad you mentioned team dependent and athlete dependent. Cause there are some teams where I don't worry about it as much because I know that they're going to, it's, like the way that their practices are are built, they're going to get kind of enough of it. There's some teams where I work, they get too much of it, you know, and there's some teams where I know they're not getting any. (laughs) So like it's kind of a a mix of, of figuring that piece out. Um, I try not to be, to let it be the thing that drops off. Maybe I can't do all three. I usually do no more than three in my athletic development block. And it's just something they do once like two or three reps of, I do. Um, so I do three 10 yard starts, for example, we time them now too. That's a big piece of it. I'm um, yeah. really bringing time factors. So there's a competitive factor and piece to that. Um, we did the same thing with vert and broad jumps. Um, but if I can squeeze in one, then I will. Um, I used to also be like a stickler of like, we got to get through the whole thing. Like what, why now? So maybe now, you know, I write the card, but I'm going to pick and choose kind of the biggest things that we have to get done. I try to fit it to the time frame. We have 45 minutes with COVID now. And it's been super efficient. I don't know that I'll go back to an hour. I don't know that we need it. Yeah. Um,
0: you might you honestly might not. You, you really right. Might.
1: I mean, there's so many fun things that we're learning about it too. But sprinting is so important for all of our structures. Everything from, you know, our our fascial structures to our you know, tendon, tendon junctions. I mean, there's it's just you can't beat it. <laughs> so if somebody sprints well, and they sprint hard. Like we're going to do okay. We're going to stay safe. So, but not only this, this is a, you know, this for me, it's not only about the speed. I mean, I want you to slow it down. Right. I work on the eccentric control of things and the deceleration phases of things. But if we don't ever get up to full speed, how do we ever learn to decelerate it? Um, and we're lucky enough to have that turf in the weight room where we can, we can get after it a little bit um, and work on those things. So it's something that I think in the last year or two, we've really made more of an emphasis to not drop it and to put it in there and then drop off something else at the end.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think like geographically specific, I think learning how to break up in a very cold and frozen turf is is extremely important. (laughs) Just learning how to be able to stop and making sure your knees stop with you.
1: I mean that is for most of our freshmen, it's almost fun now. We're like, you know, they're there we're the other thing we've done is um now that we're in groupings, um, you know, doing stuff together like with speed and agility, right? So doing the speed and agility classes, um, where like Tuesday and Thursday mornings um from six thirty to seven fifteen, we're doing a speed and agility that's open to anybody. Um, they can come do their work, you know. So you see people, and I'm saying, all right you're decelerating at the line. Right. And you see the freshmen fly through and you see everybody else like break down and wait for the, the ready up. Right. Um, but that's, that's a key that I use, right. Is teaching them that. And then the freshmen like, they're quickly embarrassed and learn, even mm-hmm. though we explain it to them, Right. Um, but when you have a senior athlete, you know, I'll use, I'll use the guys for it. You know, the women usually are great about learning, you know, no offense, Sam, you know, this, the girls yeah. are really great about listening to direction and the dudes are like, you know, on another level um but when you have a senior student athlete who male student athlete who listens to that breaks it down and waits for the up and I give them the audible up and the clap right so everybody in the room claps no matter how cool you are how old you are whatever and they do it they better do it in unison because it's not in unison we're doing it again yeah. um, but it's powerful when you have that older athlete do that and the younger ones learn quickly so the, the, the like established culture of it is a fun part of everything um so i think that was another powerful part of covid was you know men's ice hockey and swimming and women's rugby and in the same time you know and they're all seeing each other do the same things yeah and they're, guarding, they're like oh cool like we all do this together like we didn't realize this was a thing we all did even though they all do it. i don't know it's just it's
0: yeah like, no that's that's cool too because you know a lot of times i remember even even like interning, like teams would be like, oh, you know, like I see like they're doing the same squat variation as we, as uh-huh. the last, like, and you, they'd be like, why isn't that changed? And it's like, well, you know, it is changed. There are some small changes in terms of rep schemes, but like, also like this benefits your team in this way and this benefits your team in this way. And that's why we're doing it. Right.
1: right. Right. The so That's kind cool. of cool.
0: They get to see it firsthand. They're like, we're doing they, the same yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. It was really... Um, I think it was probably two and a half years ago that I had one athlete that was like, well, a football athlete. It's like, well, I don't understand why volleyball is squatting. That makes no sense. What we squat? Like, excuse me, you own squat? What was a lot? You tell me you have a patent on squat? Um, you know. So, but anyway, but it's an education moment, right? And uh, so, one of the things. If you look at my programming, and you since you've left too, it's evolved. It should always evolve if you're not. It's it's still Eric cressy but if you're not looking back at your programming and be like, what the hell was I thinking? I mean, are, are you really getting better? You know, and sometimes you look back, you're like, all right, I see where I was at. That's not bad, but you mind the gems and you move forward. Right. right. Um, but most of my programming over the last year to two years, my B block is, it doesn't change much. It's always going to be an upper, an upper push with a lower pull. And it's always going to be a lower push with an upper pull. um, and whatever those variations are it's usually going to be a front squat it's usually going to be an rdl or a trap bar or something like that it's always going to be some sort of big row variation it's always going to be your your bench press your chest press variation um and this year for them to all see like that they all kind of do the same thing but different derivatives and different different tempos and different like you said mentioned set and rep schemes and those sorts of things um or even things that were honestly very similar i think it was like they got okay with it they were like wow like that makes sense. So one day I'm, I'm like, I got volleyball on my left and I got rugby on my right. And I'm like, all right, we're, we're all front squatting. I'm like, why is volleyball front squat? I asked the rugby kid. Right. Yeah. She goes good answer. I asked the rugby, the volleyball kid. I'm like, why does rugby front squat? She's like, I really don't know. I'm like rugby explain to her. Why do you front squat? So like giving them, like, we had a lot of those fun conversations um, for teams not to have that. Like I own this exercise mentality. Um, yeah. because the strength coach I mean that it's a slippery slope you try to get too creative and too outside the box and you're not getting anybody really strong in the major movement patterns because then you're trying to just cater to their sport specificity right um I might open a can of something here but I don't really believe in sports specificity
0: no I, I you go ahead sorry
1: about it no no no. I want it. what do you think
0: I it, coach coach think? Kamal kind of talks about this a lot too where he says you know the reality is like our job is to kind of give them what they're not getting. Right. Right. And like,
1: right.
0: That kind of sums it balance up. Pretty quickly. Them out.
1: Yep. Balance them out. Um, and really we know the human body is not symmetrical. It's not possible per se. I guess you could, you know, some things are meant to be structurally different and stronger in some regards. Um, but yeah, I think there's no, there are there ways that you can make an exercise specific in their mind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So at the bottom of your front squat volleyball, I want you to explode up. Like you're coming up the block. Yeah. Right. Or you're springing up to get, to get your, you know, your hidden or whatever it might be. And then same thing you can, you can make it specific in their mind. And I think that's where sports psychology is so fascinating yeah. and Ways that you can deploy some of those tactics. Um, but I, I think that's been a, a real learning curve for me was, was getting them to understand those purposes and, and reasons. Um, and if you can make it fun for them and give them something that feels like the sport, you know, basketball's box jumping. Great. Okay. Heads up. I'm going to give you a hard chest pass. You better catch it. Yeah. Or you link with your chest up, you're reinforcing good movement patterns and you got the ball involved. They're happy campers. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think you can, you can be that way a little bit, but I, I think it's a dangerous slope as a strength coach to, especially a collegiate strength coach division three, where you have 18 teams to try to be sport specific for everybody. It's you're going to drive yourself insane and nobody's going to get really that much better. Um,
0: Right. keep keeping it simple. Let them move through basic movements. Something good will happen. Right.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Do simple things savagely. Well,
0: yeah, Uh, exactly. Exactly. Remember
1: that one. Um, you know, there's nothing fancy about what we do every once in a while. I'll throw something kind of fun and, and different at them. Um, when they earn it though, that's the other thing, you know, if you're consistent and focused and you earn yourself something fun, great. You know, but there's fun. I try to challenge them to see the, see the fun in the mundane, you know, yeah. what feels boring and vanilla to you, you know, put some sprinkles on it. Then let's, let's play with this. <laughs> fun. um, you know and and there's a lot of different ways to do that, I think that's where I'm at now in my career is. How can we make the the everyday special?
0: yeah, no, I love that I think that's I think more coaches need to be like that. I think that's
1: some
0: um, there's no good way to transition to it, but there i do you know you you are one of my role models and and definitely my my own mentor um and part of that is because you are extremely resilient in a field that is male dominated um and that cannot be easy and i that is something that i want to talk about as well and you know your thoughts on getting and getting more um female participation in this male dominated field and kind of just like what you personally had to you know go through what you needed to go through in order to get where you're at and what message you can kind of give
1: that's a great one um First and foremost, I think you know this about me too. I definitely believe coaches coach. Is coach. Um, you know, at the same time, though, I am very cognizant that I'm a woman and a mother and a wife. Um, and being a mother and a wife comes before my coachhood. Um, and I think in this field, it can be hard for a lot of young men um, who dominate the field, like you mentioned, um, to separate out the value of family, even if they, they, they feel themselves as a real family man, you know, in terms of their parents or their siblings or whatever else, or even if they, they do have a significant other, I think it'd be hard for them to leave the office and leave work behind and, and think about their families in that regard. Whereas for females, like just generally in our society, right, for better or worse, um, you know, it's for the most part, we are, we're focused on that side of things, Right. Um, I knew early on that I wanted to have a, a family and, you know, my husband, Chris, and I have been together 15 years, 16 years this year. Um, since <laughs> so 2010, I had to think, sorry, 2006. Um, we got engaged in 2010. Um, and I knew early on that that was going to be a huge part of my life, um, regardless of what I did. And like I mentioned earlier, he's been my right hand man, literally through it all. I call him the first man of, of Nor'easter S&C for that reason, Um, you know, he's, (laughs) he's right there with me. You're
0: going
1: to have a partner in it. You're going to have a partner in it. That's first and foremost. Um, You know, but it is a field that a lot of young women I think might shy away from or get out of early because of the pressures that having a family put on you in terms of the time constraints and just the sheer amount of, of, of time you need to spend mentoring your athletes um you know it's sunday morning and the your football coach wants you to come in and be available to talk with recruits families for 3 hours but sunday mornings is really the only time you get to play with your kid on the floor in your pj's um you know so it's okay all right we got to do this we pack up the kid we bring him in and you know dad and, and and kiddo play and in between talking to recruits you're you're playing with your kiddo in the office and you play in legos and um you know it's just it becomes part of your 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 lifestyle but that also comes down to the place that you work um and thankfully UNE has been very fr- family first and family oriented um and i can't thank them enough for that but i think that's one one major hurdle for for young females is kind of the family aspect of it um another is that you know philosophically again i love that you're so on this but you know as you know Young men often think that their abilities are, you know, if there's two circles here, a very large circle, they think that this is like, this is what they can do. When in reality, this is what, you know, very small circles, what they're good at. Females are the opposite. Generally, they kind of put themselves in this very tiny spot, but they really are capable of so much more. Um, And I think a lot of that comes from, you know just just gender expectations as we grow Um, young boys I've spent a lot of time researching this recently but by no way am I you know aficionado on this but um, young boys tend to be encouraged to take chances when they're play in their play you know they're loud and vivacious and jump off things and run around and they're crazy I live with I live with them I know Um, and then, you know, with, with little girls that sit quietly and play with your dolls and, and do this and, you know, and and maybe you want to do this art project and like, no, like go kick the little, get them outside, let them run, let them be crazy. Let them swing from trees. Like both, like both gender kiddos we're human. And at the end of the day, humans need play, but the way that we're taught to play and the way our play is structured really does impact us later on in life. Right. Um, so even if we're a female athlete, who's kind of driven in that mentality, it's still something we bump up against once we get to that point in adulthood where play is not socially acceptable. Like our job kind of becomes our play, but then it starts to become a friction point between our familial responsibilities and our career responsibilities. Um, and this is another thing coach Kamal, um, brought up to me that really sparked me the last time we talked, we were talking about, he has a a young daughter too. We're talking about, you know, family balance, work-life balance. And he's like, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist we can't get it. And I was like, how so? Like elaborate on that for me. Um, And he was talking about how we have a spectrum. We have to slide a spectrum. So on any given day, I am more focused on my family or more focused on my career. Um, But even then I've thought more about that recently. Um, And we've been doing a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion training at UNE, which I'm really proud of us. We are like really, really, really working hard on that. Um, And we were talking a bit about, Kind of our roles and, and those sorts of things, and I had a really hard time taking away the mantle of mother and and wife, in terms of career. Like everything's so like if you um you remember the little spinners we created in elementary school where you put like the brass fastener through the center of the paper and right. then you could like spin the. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah the the teacher had to make mine. I wasn't so good with scissors.
1: <laughs> but you basically would take like three layers of paper in a circle and you put the brass fastener through the middle of it and then you could like spin it and look like a pie chart kind of yeah. like a spinner. Um but I feel like that's us. We have layers and we're constantly like spinning them back and forth depending on what we need to do. It's like a DJ. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel some days. Let me tell and I'm not that musically oriented. I can tell you that. Um, but I think those that's those are the kind of the two major barriers we come up against is what is a woman supposed to be
0: mm.
1: right. Style expectations, and then, you know, when it comes time to start a family, how much freedom do we have to kind of work on those pieces and parts of it? Um, I was lucky enough to present at the Great Lakes Regional Conference two years ago, or no, a year ago. No, it was two years ago. Whoa, crazy. Anyway, um, time flies when you're having fun, Um, but I spoke on this exact topic, coaches, coach, um, and that was one of the things that I talked about was just some of the barriers we have Um, and and those were the two major ones that that have come up. Um, I've definitely rubbed up against that friction myself many times, Um, full transparency, which you probably know too. I've come home many nights and missed bedtime and and dissolved into tears. Um, You know, there's been many nights that I've missed a lot of important things, Um, but at the same time, I know that my kiddo's better for some of the things that he's gotten to experience because of being a part of, of our northeaster family. So it's, it's definitely a give and take. Um, and some days are easier than others. Uh, but i as I've aged in my career and now had my second child, I definitely um, feel my husband's getting into the snackies right now.
0: <laughs> 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 Chris, he's what are you dinner?
1: Sorry. <laughs> 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 so, but that's like, he, he makes dinner. That's, so we have some definite gender role reversals. I don't cook. He does. Um, but we support each other however we can. Um, what were you saying? I'm sorry, what was I saying before that? The whole
0: coach is coach, coach is coach, coach, is
1: coach. thank you. Um, see so that happens too. That is a real thing. Mom brain is real and yeah. it's like embarrassing sometimes. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if you can if you can find a place where family, if if that's what you want, if you want to have a if you want to have a family where family's valued. Um, and that you're going to be able to do those sorts of things. That's going to be great. Um, our country at large has a lot of issues and challenges, honestly, with parental leave and a lot of those things. Like I said, I'm blessed where I'm at with you and honestly, um, in a lot of those regards. Um, but in terms of stuff I've experienced, um, I've been, we're, we're redoing our weight room, Right. Um, as you know, and, and we expanded it three years ago. And it's this beautiful Cadillac facility. I pinch my, myself every day when I go in that I get to be the steward of it. Um, and then I got to help you know, full, pretty much fully design it with right. some input here and there. Um, but being in a room with architects and um, a very much male, do- I was the only female in the room, with males who who are my colleagues and friends who really, truly support me in every way I could possibly ask um and being talked over in that room um when i'm the the professional who's running the space right. and that that's a that's a challenge when you're like come on like really and you want to say something but then you're a little bit like like camilla harris moment of like i'm speaking here like right. that kind of you know um i didn't have that confidence at that time i do i would like to say i do now um but it took my mentor heath pierce speaking up and saying Lindy is the professional in the space. Lindy, what do you think? Um, and I think that even though as females, we would like to think we can be our own best advocate. Sometimes we need someone to be that person for us. Um, and I don't often think that it's, it has to be a female who brings a female forward. I think that we both have responsibilities across party lines for of better term, yeah. um, you know, and Heath has been that person for me on so many occasions. Um, I would like to think that I'm that person for you, maybe, um, in a lot of ways.
0: Definitely, 100%.
1: So it's just, uh, it's very interesting. Um, I'm not, there are some females in the field um, who I think need to learn that lesson, maybe, that, you know, we are not victims, and to stop crying wolf about everything in some ways. um, Because coaches coach. We are strength coaches. You chose to be a strength coach. You know that that comes with certain expectations and ways of doing things. Um, but I did um, get to speak to Jim Daly, who is at Endicott, and he's a, a really good colleague in, in the field. He's an athletic director for the sports performance and um, athletic training down there. And um, he was doing his PhD um, dissertation on uh, leadership in Division Three strength and conditioning and athletic training. So he had reached out to me and we were chatting. And um, he said, what are the, what's one of the things that makes you, as a woman, um, and a strength coach like kind of different and I said well you know what quite honestly uh, it's my ability to smile and bring levity you know I will get on an athlete or a team if I need to but more often than not I can count the number of times I've lost my absolute cool and and, and you know raise my voice um, in the weight room on on both hands I've not crossed that line often I don't like to it makes me mad it makes me anxious it makes me it's not who I want to be. Um, and everybody, when we added football, well, you're going to have to be a different type of coach. You're going to have to hold a different line. Um, okay. Well, with all due respect, yes, I understand there's a football way of doing things and a football strength coach, mm-hmm. um, I'm a football strength coach, but I'm a different kind of one. Um, you know, I think my athletes understand that too. Um, and Liv Indorf um, from Springfield is our assistant right now. She's running football um, and doing great work with them. So I just, I think that, we need to lose that kind of lens a little bit and see coaches as coaches, but also celebrate as a female, what makes you different. And for me, it's the ability to laugh and have fun and let loose. Um, I'll take myself seriously, you know, um, sometimes fun joke, since this is how this podcast has gone. But um, the first rule (laughs) I set with my, my football team, I said, well, second rule, first rule is, is we have ultimate respect in this space. For everything in it, for each other, you know all those other things. Second rule is you don't crop dust me and walk away. You tell me, okay. You you own that and own you that
0: part. I love that. Own
1: it because I don't want to walk through it. And I mean I mean, but that instantly cut the tension with like yeah them looking at me as the first female coach they'd ever had.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Um,
1: but but I mean, and then it's a, it's a different thing. But I think you have to be okay with who you are um, as a female and as a male. I mean, either way, it's what cel- celebrate, what makes you different. My first um, very first internship experience um, was actually at the OA performance center that I, I worked at for a couple of years. I think I might've shared this because I don't remember, but um, I sat in my evaluation. I was super nervous. I felt like I'd been doing a good job, but you know, obviously it's just the first time you're being evaluated in that regard. Right job performance. And uh, my supervisor looked at me and said, well, I think you're doing a pretty good job grasping things. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, great. But I'm like, here it comes. What is, what is the but? Um, But you smile too much.
0: Huh?
1: (laughs) He literally said, you're too happy. You need to like, you need to learn how to be tough. You'll never be respected. Okay. So I frown for the rest of my life, or I find a way to be valued for who I am in the way that I do things. Um, I'd like to say I've done that. I still think it's a problem at times for some coaches and some athletes. It takes them uh, time to understand that and that that's how I'm going to be, but against the spectrum. I'm not loosey goosey all the time. As you know, I can definitely lock it in when needed. Um, And that's when when it's a safety factor and, or there's something that needs to be taken very seriously. It is. Um, But at the same time, we're going to celebrate and have fun and dance and sing and do crazy stuff. Um, because again, I mean, sometimes you guys are so serious in so many ways, you need a little bit of a break from that.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. And I think that's a good note to end on too. Perfect. Hell yeah. Thank you, coach. Thank you so much for being on. Like, like she said, be you, dance, have fun. (laughs) Anything else you want to end on?
1: (laughs) Uh, just that I'm super proud of you. Um, you're doing things that I, you know. I could never have done this at your age. Um, I still couldn't, you know, me, I literally, I'm terrible at Excel, by the way, for anybody out there, like, it's fine. I, I own it. But I can do anything. You've made
0: a lot of people happy saying that.
1: I can do anything in Word. So if you need help, come find me about Word and I'm going to make it happen. Okay. Yeah. Um, but even to that end, like, you know, I'm not good at it, but at the same time, I'm going to continue to gain the skill and work on it. Um, so know what you need to get better at and keep working at it. But don't stress if you figured it out in a different way, and that way is different from everybody else. You know, it doesn't make you a less than a coach. Um, it just makes you a stronger one in some regards. So, oh, yeah. so own your differences. Have fun with who you are. Figure out who you are, um, and then help the next one in line. Make yeah. sure that you're bringing, you're launching the ones behind you higher than you're ever going to get. And kids, someday you're going to be, you're going to be killing it. So proud of you.
0: Coach, thank you for being with us.
1: Happy to do it.